0: Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy. Born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today.
1: And- Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Homestyle, the podcast with Shayna Blaze. And of course, it is all thanks to Red Energy. They are born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. If you're thinking about making a switch, talk to the team at Red Energy. They have been supporting this podcast throughout lockdown one, two, three, four, five, and six. I'm Jane Neild, and I am joined by Shayna Blaze, interior designer, author, TV presenter, winner of the Celebrity Apprentice. Center. Seems just absolutely yonks ago, 2021, Judge on the Block on Channel 9, which is still going gangbusters, ratings through the roof, and Shana, the va- the founder of Voice of Change Australia. Welcome, Shana. You're in a different room every time I get you on the podcast, and I'm looking at you in your kitchen today, Shana, which is a different view from last time we spoke. How are you? Busy, busy, I'm sure.
0: I, I'm moving around to catch the sun. Like I, I was on a Zoom the other day with... Um, um, a company talking about, you know, sort of how to keep your inspiration going, working from home and what to do and actually suggested to not always sit at your office desk look at look at different ways that you can move around the house of course you know depending who's in the room and what you can do but um so today I'm doing a mental health check and, and sitting at my kitchen bench and just with pots of tea and feeling good rather than being office environment
1: that is actually such a perk of lockdown isn't it that you can actually follow the sun like I'll often sort of get up and I'm like you know what I'm just gonna go out on the back porch soak up the morning sun by the afternoon you're on the back veranda you're in a completely different part of the house you can't do that that in a normal office, so that's got to be a benefit.
0: Oh, and I think also when you're at the background at the end of the day,
1: you're getting a sneaky GMT in there too, Jay? <laughs> I've actually uh, actually decided to go alcohol free for quite some time this last lockdown, Shona, so we could do a whole episode on um, alcohol substitute drinks because I'm whipping up some weird cocktails, that is for sure. <laughs> I'm liking the sound of that. Hey, are you hearing from um, colleagues and friends in Sydney? Look, we are, of course, it's a podcast. We've got listeners from all around the world. But as I mentioned at the top, you know, Red Energy came on in and supported this show in Melbourne's first lockdown when there wasn't a whole heck of a lot going on. Have you been hearing mm-hmm. from people um, interstate and maybe those Sydney sliders who we're all thinking of who really... this is the end, well, hopefully the end few weeks of what has been a very tough time? Yeah, I I think um, for friends up in Sydney, like, you know,
0: we've had a lot of lockdown where it's been cold weather, so it's like, no, I don't really mind being inside, whereas, you know, Sydney's had some really beautiful bursts of, you know, early summer rather than spring weather. So I think that's the hard thing of being told you've got to stay inside when it's so beautiful outside. Um, yeah, I think I think people are struggling and it's, it's that thing of like trying, you know, being disconnected from friends and disconnected from those social moments um, and always being in the one space. And honestly, I take my hat off to all the people who have kids and, and homeschooling because trying to keep your own job down and homeschooling is one of the hardest things of the modern um, times, I think, with COVID, you know, being a single mum or, you know, working with kids was always a hard thing for me. But, you know, being a single mum and homeschooling or being um, a parent that's got a full-time career and homeschooling at the same time, like, you know, there's a lot of work that um, the kids need help on with the homeschooling. So I just take my hat off to everybody. And I've actually said it to a couple of girlfriends, do they really have to learn anything today? (laughs) If it's a really bad day, just time out, time out, just take the day off, Do do a, you know, do adventure in the backyard
1: or in the park or something. Yeah, okay. It's a of design episode. We're going to find different shapes in the garden, kids. Uh, this is a of place. <laughs> exactly. No, it's all about inspiration.
0: People wonder where I get my inspiration. It's about leaving the house and going for a walk.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As someone with a seven-year-old who, look, I must say, I've been working more, uh, my partner taking care of more of the homeschooling, it's the teachers with kids and pets who are homeschooling that I would like to send a cheerio to um, my child's teacher today. I had a dog barking in the background, another child, yep, yep, and she's got 30 kids on Zoom that she's trying to wrangle. So, wow, they are the true heroes. And of course, to all our frontline workers, hope you're just listening to this podcast and having half an hour of of Downtime and maybe dreaming of what you're going to do when we get out of this. Now, Shana, today on the show we are going to just sort of check in with some of the progress of the block. I've got a little issue with one particular room that was revealed a couple of weeks ago that I'd like to grill you about. We might even get a couple of tips from you about the spring selling season. The real estate market still going absolutely bonkers around most of the country. Listener questions, if we have time. But Shana, you write a little column in. Stella magazine in the weekend papers, and I noticed that recently you wrote a little story about Granny Chic or Chic. How do you say it? Chic? It's chic. Granny chic. chic. And you sort of basically said, if you're a magpie with a passion for hunting out vintage pieces and love for hand-me-down treasures, your time is now. And you also asked uh, your Instagram followers if they had any little interesting things that have been passed on through the generations of their family. Lots of great answers there. But my ears pricked up instantly uh, because... As you would know if you've listened to this show before, love me some vintage. I have a couple of different generations of uh, inherited pieces that are blocking up my shed and gradually making their way into my life. But why do you say, Shana, that if you love the vintage and the granny styling that your time is now? Have we seen a change in design preferences and styling? Is is it really now? It, it is because we're... <laughs>
0: one we're not sort of you know we we keep talking about trends and keeping up with trends but I think we're so involved in our home as a place of the heart and a place of a working environment that it's not about what's on display it's not about what is um uh, I'm meaning what's on display for others like you know having that photographer's dream interior that's that's not how you should live, and we've talked about that a lot, but I think now that people are really in their homes, they get, they get it. They get that things in their home should either have meaning, a connection, or add value to your life. And by having vintage pieces or pieces that mean something to you from another family member, that's where you really bring that sense of home into your space.
1: And can that also be, I mean, not everyone is lucky enough to have had, you know, a mum who was a bit of a collector slash hoarder like I did or grandmas who... Look, I think it's generational. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think at a time when buying something was really a big deal for my grandmother. Like, she worked, she was a single mum, and we're talking probably the 50s, 60s now, but she would buy one beautiful piece of crystal a month with her, obviously, you know, her money. She wasn't sitting at home online shopping. So let's start with, do you think in the past pieces had more value because we didn't have mass markets of cheap homewares?
0: Absolutely. But there was also the good room where I think it was all about, like, you know, we talk what I was talking about before about having a house, you know, photograph ready, Insta ready. Um, that was about, you know, sort of presenting you as a person to visitors and it was always about the good room and, you know, china cabinets and having things on display behind glass and, you know, you only bring it out for the good time. So we're more about, like, you know, if you're going to have something in your house, use it every day, even if it is the good slash china on um, the uh bit of a big one on like that, I've inherited all my mum's teacups and they were always behind a glass cabinet. and I only ever came out for, you know, Tupperware parties. So I'm like, no, give me my china every day. So I, I think, you know, we... I don't know, we seem to have more disposable income, which is a big thing. And, you know, buying a special piece once a month meant something rather than shopping out of boredom or shopping out of, um, you know, I deserve this. It was more of a case of like appreciating the item and, and appreciating the quality and waiting for something. So I sort of feel like when you've got older pieces, you realise that value, that someone had to wait a long time to get that piece, someone actually bought that knowing that it was going to enhance their day, even if it was a teacup behind a cabinet. It's one of those ones where you go, that's my favourite, that's my special, Um, rather than going, I love that because it's a beautiful blush colour and it works with the trends today.
1: You know what I mean? Hey, do you think the good room is kind of like we have our good room, which is actually just our Instagram profile now. It's like here's the (laughs) face that I present to society and I've made sure that my washing basket and dirty undies aren't in the back of the shot. And it's kind of like the good room was that. It's like come into my house, but I'm not taking you out the back. Here's my public facing room.
0: (laughs) Totally, the good room because everybody has that room that you open and you just shove shit in. (laughs) You have your good room and the room that no one's allowed
1: to open the door on. <laughs> I always found it my grandmother's though, the good room, no one used it really. Everyone would end up in the kitchen because it had these incredible old antique couches that had really itchy velvet on them and we weren't allowed in there as kids and I I don't know, I think it's great now that maybe we have sort of spaces we're more oh. comfortable in sharing. <laughs>
0: I totally agree and it's it's also that those pieces meant something and sort of granny chic is making sure that you use them and you know they're purposeful and they're beautiful but you actually get to enjoy them rather than just physically look at them.
1: Did you have grandparents who were sort of collectors or like, tell me about your memories as a young child. Like, just, I'd love to know, you know, what were some of those pieces? Because now I see stuff even from the 80s that is on um, Instagram that it's like, you know, vintage retro kind of pieces. And I'm like, sorry, people are collecting orange Tupperware now because that was their memories of their (laughs) grandma. Yeah, I sort of think what on earth would people collect in
0: the 90s? I think that'll be an interesting one. There's a couple <laughs> of decades that won't have a, a, a purpose, I think. <laughs> um, my, it, it's interesting because my um, grandparents, like uh, they all didn't live very long, so I, I don't oh. have a lot of that. But my, um, there were a couple of little pieces of like beautiful vases and China, um, but more about like um, my on my dad's side. Um, it was more about things that you did. Like my my dad's side of the family were the crafty people, so it was all about the um, the knitting machine, and it was all about the um, the baking utensils. It was more about the you know the piano, and it was more about sort of um, the items that you made rather than what they collected. I think it more happened from my mum and dad because. They didn't have those growing up, so they started collecting more things and hoarding quite a bit. (laughs)
1: I'm not the only one with it in the family. And back to my original point, I think, which is not everyone has a family member who can pass all this stuff down. So you can still bring elements in, though, can't you, that whilst it may not be your actual grandmother's China Royal Albert Cup, if you get something from an op shop or from Etsy or online that evokes that same feeling... It doesn't mean it's not authentic just because it hasn't been in your family for 100 years, does it?
0: Oh my God. And, well, that's the thing. I have so many things that has no family connection. But what I love about it is the piece that you – stories have been made on that piece. Like it might be a chair that you've got – that you recovered. But, you know, somebody had that for 30, 40 years. And I, I sort of I go into that romantic notion of like, you know, I wonder what sort of conversations they would have had, and um, you know, who who whose favourite chair would this be? Because you know, I'm a bit of a chair collector. I do love a good chair, you know, um, and they're not all the same and don't all match. And so it's like, oh, is this the sort of chair that you would have a cup of tea in? Is this the sort of chair that would just be the one where you just put your your dress over it at the end of the bed? Is this the chair that um, you know Grandpa sat on and read stories, or Grandma? So I, I think. With, with pieces like that, they've got a story and if you don't know the story, um, you can fantasise it and make it up and then and then create a new history for it. I, I love doing that.
1: And how do you reconcile the fact that when you do use stuff in your everyday life, like I'm a big fan of using things that have been passed down because there is no point if they're in those trunks in the garage forever. Hence, smashing the lid of a beautiful China butter dish the other day. And like 10 years ago, I would have been almost sick to my stomach thinking, oh, my God, mum always said you'll break that. Don't leave kids around. And I was just like, you know what? Thanks, butter dish. You did me well for at least five years and into the bin with you and not even trying to patch it up and and glue it. Like there is something that you have to realise. Yes, there is a danger in using fine china in everyday life. <laughs> is it differently? Like, you know, you said you got a good five years out of it. If it wasn't
0: a special one, you probably would have only got 12 months out of it. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like for me when you put on a great outfit or a pair of shoes and, you know, you hold yourself differently and walk differently and I just find you know I'm talking to you now and I have a handmade cup and every time you know I kind of feel the informalities on it and it's not perfect and so honestly every time I touch it I just go it just feels quite nurturing so I think you use things differently and you get so much out of it because it makes you feel different and you know I will scream blue in my face if someone says the opposite because it's, it's true. It's really true.
1: So often I get this thing. I, you know, now have a, an old country house, you know, and it, it fits, the, all of my collected wares fits. But often I hear people say, oh, I could never have that in my place. It's too modern. It just wouldn't work. So talk to me about integrating certain um, granny chic elements into perhaps more of a modern context these days.
0: I think that's really interesting because I think if you're going, to, if you've got a very modern interior, um, you have to be very careful where you put those elements. Um, it's got to have some sort of sculptural form of some, like, you know, it might be a vase that that has this incredible sculptural form to it. It could be, you know, I, I can't imagine... Um, well actually i can now i think about it. if you have a very modern interior and you've got something that's granny chic well you know art deco and 1910 art nouveau and all that sort of thing are quite sculptural and very elegant and they would look incredible into a very contemporary interior and so i think look for sculptural forms which you can do that granny chic you know i think sometimes People think Granny Chic is, you know, doilies and napkins and yeah. um, cramé. Um, that's not always the way. It, it is it is literally a beautiful sculptural vintage piece. So it can be teacups. It can be a teapot. It can be a vase. It can be a chair. But, you know, it's a really old vintage chair, but you put some very modern fabric on it and it transforms and takes a new shape. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer if that you're going to have an old chair and you want to give it a new life, you know, change the change the fabric. But if you are a purist and you have a beautiful chair that you want to keep forever because it's the original and you think it's going to be worth more, don't sit on it because it's going to put your heart in your mouth every time. So, you know, be careful about the pieces you bring into your home, like what you were saying.
1: And you also have to be careful that when you see a gorgeous, I'm thinking wardrobes, I have this real issue with wardrobes. I think people had like smaller shoulders and they were shorter a hundred and something years ago because I've had vintage wardrobes from family where it's like I can't even fit a coat hanger in the depth of it. It's actually useless because... If I can't hang something in it, no point having it. (laughs) And isn't that funny? Because I think exactly
0: the same. Like, how wide was a vintage hanger? In the 40s and 50s, people were short, were, you know, narrow because they just were. Um, But, you know, people still had broad shoulders. So I don't know, you know, if a a listener has that um, answer, that would be incredible because I have to say that's something I've never been able to solve. And, um, you know, it's not like you have your 80- and 90-year-olds that you sit there and say, so your coat hangers and your wardrobes. It's something I always forget to ask. But I have to say, now that I've said that out loud... The house that I've bought that I've been renovating, their built-in robes, um was that exact same depth that you couldn't fit a proper coat hanger. And I'm going to catch up with them soon, so I'm going to write down and remind myself to say, "How did you hang things?" <laughs> I- I-
1: Do not have the answer. If someone's got an answer for us and they've thought about this before, podcasts at scn.com.au for the email. I actually think it's because people had way less clothes. They weren't hanging them in, you know, you put the hanger. I think they just had a little row and it was sort of, you know, shoulders to the back, not shoulders to the side. And perhaps a a woman would have maybe eight different hanging dresses and a couple of coats, not 48. (laughs) And it's one of those times where you go really glad I live where, you know, in the times that I live. <laughs> oh, inspiring, though. So for lovers of vintage, uh, you can check out Shaina's uh, recent article in Stella magazine and some wonderful comments on your Instagram. A lot of people saying it's the beautiful old China and the cookware, things, uh, you know, a, a date loaf tin that gets uh, used twice a year, though, from a grandma that, you know, it's really those things you just think, oh, it's so sort of special. And you are listening to Homestyle. I'm Jane Neillard and I'm with Shana Blaze. And we are here thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. Now, I do like to check in with you about the block, which... I've, I've got a little bone to pick with um, the network, though, Shana, because I have to record it the day after it airs. It keeps getting interrupted by Dan Andrews' press conferences during the day. <laughs> I'm like, oh. So then I have to go to um, Nine Now and catch up because uh, Dan Andrews has ruined the reveal. But, look, it has been great viewing this, this year. Cinema Rooms, shame, Shana. And I did notice that you, look there was a couple of articles about how savage you were on Josh and Luke who had the cinema room that looked like a bachelor pad. You actually said, quote, it feels cheap and nasty. It's crap. Absolute crap. I'm just shocked. (laughs) Standing by those words, Shana. Absolutely.
0: I stand by those words. I was, I was actually, um, because I think the thing is we've seen glimpses of really good um, ideas from the boys. We really have. And they keep flopping between grandeur and just scraping the bottom of the barrel and and i think the thing is also that you know this is they're not professionals in this area and we know that we know that but you've put yourself up for a competition And you put yourself up to give it your best shot you also have four other houses that are doing the best they can to produce something incredible something unique like a basement has never been done on the block and also a cinema room has not been done before because that's not what we tend to have in our houses anymore so this is an absolute luxury inclusion into a house So they have been told that. It's not like they've been told, here you go, here's this. They have been given advice. They have been given that. And they put their money into the big Iron Man statue, which can I say was awesome. It was really good. But it needs to lead from there. You can't just have a statue and say this is what's going to sell the place when you've got um, all the other houses really going for full luxury in the way that they do it. And... The thing is also the boys have access to incredible trades, incredible suppliers, and if they don't have an idea, they've got people to discuss and brainstorm and, and and work this out. And we have seen them just go, we're just doing it our way no matter what and not taking that advice. So that's where I go, you know what, you've got this far, you know those people are there, you know those suppliers are there to give you advice on this sort of thing, and um, they really – didn't think through a massive value add, and they just built a place for those two guys to play to play video games and watch footy, and that's it. Just came across like that, and it felt like it, and I could almost smell the smelly socks. It felt that bad,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the leftover Uber Eats containers. And
0: <laughs> well, I think the thing is, you know, people say, "Oh, but you know, that's a bit harsh," and whatever the only way they're going to listen is to give that advice and to tell them that you've really pushed the wrong button this time. You've you've gone too far and we we don't get one-on-one. So we can't take them by the hand and and show them through a strolling environment of these are the types of things you need to do. So we need to really tell them that you better smarten up because this is, you know, a way to go. And, you know, they've already had their mum tell them off about how lazy they've become. And so – as much as people might say that's really harsh, you can't tell me your mum doesn't say that to you. Mm. So you know what? It's, it is a little bit of tough love and I have said the most beautiful things about them as well and I think what it comes down to, um, I told the truth and people don't want to hear it. Mm. <laughs>
1: Of course. And, hey, Shana, people always click on stories about you. We're not going to mention the clickbait factor, are we?
0: (laughs) Exactly. And, And the thing is that, you know, Darren and Neil said just as many things as me in that tone and also just as many glowing things. So
1: it just depends what ends up there on the screen on the day. Oh, that's why I love this podcast. You get to have your own say and remind us that a lot of it doesn't go to air. Now, the reason I was yelling at the television watching the Cinema Room reveals, I am not... look. I feel like it's sort of like late 90s, 2000s, where everywhere had to have a cinema room. I feel like now we tend to watch, I mean, I've just watched a great series, Ted Lasso, on my mobile phone, for goodness sake. I never thought I'd be doing that. I'm happy to watch something on a laptop, even if it's on Netflix and I need to be in a particular room or somewhere. So I think our viewing habits have changed. But what frustrated me, Shana, was the complete um, one purpose aspect of those rooms. I was yelling and just going, why couldn't have you been multi-purposing this room? Like, to me, that could have been an office that on the weekend transforms into a cinema room. Am I wrong in thinking that at the luxury end, which I have no experience in, that you could have made a multi-function room there that didn't just have to be a cinema room? Or do people in that end of the market just want the luxury of a cinema room, don't care about having perhaps a desk that ran along one wall that you could have then used as an office?
0: Well, I think the thing is that this is – they've got all those boxes ticked of having a study somewhere possibly okay. or they've got boxes ticked, and only and they've only done one half of that basement. There's another half to come. Uh, so it's like, oh, um, what are they going to do in the other half? Um, but I have to say, Jane, going into those spaces and into those cinema rooms was one of those times where you go, I didn't know this is what I wanted. <laughs> I want one of them. Like I, if I had, um, especially Ronnie and George's, it's like there's, you know, they didn't win because they didn't have the acoustic element to it. And the thing is, people said, well, you know, they're going to finish the room, so they'll have it up there. We can't, we're not allowed to assume anything. So they're, they're giving us a finished room and we can't assume that they're going to put an acoustic wall up. So we have to judge the room as it is. But can I say, when you stood in their room and they had the lights over the top, they had the galaxy, the shape of it, and they didn't have the seating so fixed that you couldn't move it around and open it up. So it actually had quite a bit of flexibility about it. I was like... I think where can I put one of these? Like I'm not joking because it's it will be one of those ones the way the couches are. You end up having a slumber party there and it may become your bedroom and your cinema room.
1: <laughs> and for someone with a wonderful voice like you, remember when we spoke to Scotty Cam, he said he'd built a little recording studio in his house. I was thinking that too. Like, oh, it would be great for a little mini podcast studio down the bottom there. <laughs>
0: Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And, you know, if they get the acoustics right, you could do that as well. Absolutely. Uh, Shana, spring selling season, it's a very busy time of year for real estate agents, was just interested in your thoughts on online home inspections. So while many states are still in lockdown, houses are selling sight unseen over Zoom and great real estate agents like O'Brien's, who I do another podcast called Under the Hammer with, they are having huge results for online auctions, people from interstate overseas. Do you have any quick tips for someone if they were about to welcome the cameras into their home on quickly sort of sprucing up a place for an online viewing? Would it be pretty much the same lines as your normal real estate, sort of setting where you want to actually style for presentation oh you
0: have to style even more for presentation because Uh. when you walk into a space you get to feel the size of the room you get to smell the smells you get to touch the fabrics you get to touch the timbers and they are the sensory elements that makes people want to buy things and you need to really amp up your styling more than ever. So you need to have each each space has to have some incredible focal point. Uh, you can't just sort of rely on the view to sell it because the view isn't magnified. Um, you can't rely on, you know, the one ensuite or the one bedroom to sell it to you because no one's in the space feeling it. Um, and it's almost the... Um, the clinical part of selling that there's no heartstrings in a lot of that. So the presentation is probably more amped up than what it should be. And, you know, this is where you need bold flowers, you need beautiful sort of um sculptural pieces, you need to have your lighting right. I, I think for me, if I was doing it for sale, I would sort of do um a video at dusk so that you could sort of show the house with lights on and off and you really sort of, you know, and walk through and talk people through that. So really making sure that um if you have a video in online selling that you can talk about the elements and, and what it does, but not just say, oh and when you come here you'll do this and do that. Sit in the chair and do that. Show people how you um, integrate and sort of become a little bit interactive.
1: Oh, and I was thinking when you said big, bold uh, designs and things, you had an amazing, I saw a shoot uh, of your Harris scarf linen line and you sold out of the Duna cover with the big, bold, bright flowers, I think. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I wouldn't <laughs> mind one of those. Oh, sold out. Thanks, Shana. <laughs>
0: every season I do I push the envelope and go okay can we do a, a, a print or can we do this and they say oh we haven't done those colors before or we don't do that look and I say no really this is the one that will you know get people in it may not be the best-selling one but it really it's a you know bold is a great draw card and um it literally, because, you know, Harris Scarpe have a um, newsletter, it goes out maybe two days before it's on store. And by the time it got on store, it was sold out within a day. And I didn't even get a chance to advertise it because it was like, by the time I got to put it up on my social media, just got look, guys, Love it, but it's not available right now. Sold out, you're getting the second drop. <laughs> but people are really, you know, there, there's so many beautiful soft pastels, we're, we're into the, the gorgeous um, warm autumnal colours at the moment, you know, even though we're getting into spring and summer, we're going for a lot of rich, rich colours right now. And um, I think, you know, being bold in, in your bed linen and, and your um, linen choices uh, really is something that just sort of lifts your spirits and, you know, it's not like you're doing a permanent, you know, change in the colour of your wall that's going to take you a whole weekend and bore you to do. Um, but I think, you know, just really going bold with pattern and colour at moments is a very big thing. But I've got to say the opposite is just as big too, is very streamlined and neutral. So th- there's nothing in the middle at the moment.
1: Oh, something for everyone. And Harris Garth, we demand that you reissue the big, bold, bold, bright <laughs> floral, I think it was red and oranges and really bright colours that do cover because people want it.
0: It's called Utopia. Just so you know what we're talking about, I'm not trying to sell it, but just so you know what I'm talking about, about the bold colours and the autumnal colours and the florals. And it's something that is not not something that I usually go for. And, you know, so I I make sure I do things that aren't my personal taste. But once I do these, I go, oh, yes, yes, I really like that. That's rich and, you know, it's got jewel-like colours to it. Yeah, yeah, I like that.
1: <laughs> a really quick listener question, if we've got time. Uh, Jenna in Potts Point. Shana, is there a trend away from windows in bathrooms? I noticed multiple skylights in the block bathrooms and less windows. Why wouldn't you also use windows where you can? And what are the considerations? Any thoughts on that, Shayna?
0: Yeah, I, well, I had to consider that myself, is that it, Your bathroom is also about privacy of what you look over and how people can see in. And a lot of the time, you know, you have to have a a frosted window in your bathroom. You're not always lucky to have the, the bathroom pointing in the direction you want to get the biggest amount of light. So that's where skylights really work well. And I did the same. I actually had a bathroom where I wanted to put a shower and I didn't want to have a tiny, tiny window where the shower was and that was the only light so I had a dramatic roof line that I cut into to create this like an architectural feature so not only just putting a skylight in it you can do all these different shapes with the ceiling as well to make a real architectural statement.
1: Fantastic. Well, Jenna, hopefully that answers your question. Yes, I think the overlooking aspect and who can see what into your bathroom is definitely uh, a lot more of a consideration these days. And, of course, if you'd like to ask us a question, you can send an email or perhaps you can let us know about the size of coat hangers in (laughs) bygone eras. Podcasts at sen.com.au. Shana, before I let you go, rumour is the block is going regional next year. Can you add any info to to that Daily Mail story that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I
0: can't confirm where it will be, but yes, it's definitely going regional and all I can say, it's right up my alley. So the contestants better watch out because I know all
1: about regional. I Ooh, was gutted to that. Is is it just because, oh, look, I think they've looked at you, Shana, and gone, look how happy she is in the country now and we're going to do a little <laughs> bit of that next year. I was so excited because I think regional Australia just deserves all the attention it can get and so many people, I'm one of them, have done the tree change. So, so great to see that reflected in the block uh, next year. Shayna, thanks so much for your time. Good luck with the end of your renovations as well and we'll catch you again soon. Fabulous. Can't wait to chat more. And of course, this has been Homestyle, thanks to Red Energy. They are born and bred in Melbourne, just like Shayna. They've got a customer solutions team based here in Melbourne, so wherever you are in Australia, give the Melbourne based team a call and switch to Red Energy today.
0: Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shayna Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today.
1: It's Stavros from O'Brien Real Estate. Want to know what's happening in real estate? Join me on Under the Hammer. Market trends, boom suburbs, and what to do if you're buying or selling. We've got it all on Under the Hammer. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series. Available from wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.